This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Okay, um, so we're in the middle. We started the second, the second chapter. We saw um, the first Aleph and Bays we saw, which describes... Um, this is it, this is, um, it's the other, right here. Oh, oh, Perik Shaney. Perik Shaney, that's it, yes. I was looking for a bat. Okay, no, the Perik Shaney. Okay. Uh, okay, we need one more, please. Uh, and one more. Okay, so, um, we did the first two halachos, which is what Av and Yer is, what love and fear is, and then he says that, he is going to give us some sort of sketch of the big picture of the world because understanding and knowing the world is something that's important in terms of getting Av and Yerah. Gimel. Kol Everything that Kadosh Baruch created in the world can be divided into three parts. Now, the Rambam is going to give us, we said last time, a picture, the big picture. In some ways, this big picture is unique to the Rambam. In, a, a unique to Rambam means also unique to the people who, um, uh, who incorporated a sort of Aristotelian worldview into the bigger picture. The Rambam and many others looked at Aristotle as the ultimate authority on nature, science, on somewhat of a meta-science, not quite spiritual, and not in any way an authority on spiritual affairs. That was the way um, they looked at it. The Rambam says, believe everything Aristotle says that's within the circle of our world. That's kind of the way he, he expresses it. So he does incorporate some parts of it. He also speaks something about the world, the metaphysical world, which in some ways in broad strokes, m many in Kabbalah agree with it. In specific points, possibly not, but it's still very, very important just to see the Rambam. Gimel 3. We will divide everything into three parts. Now, three parts means there's an ascending order in terms of physical to spiritual. So the lowest part, which is the physical world that we're aware of, things that, are, that have physical substance and some sort of form imposed on the physical substance, which includes everything that we're aware of. These are things, their most prominent property is they're in constant flux between being in a particular state or not. Um, atoms and molecules are shifting, um, living entities are growing, um, they're, they, they're, they're in physiological flux, they die, they disintegrate, they fall apart, and so on. There's a constant flow of coming to existence and disintegrating. Like human beings, 
and animals, smachim, plants, matachos, inanimate objects. So that's one category. Something that's a little bit more, um, it, 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 less physical, they also have substance and form. They don't have this in disintegration and regrouping and constant flux. What are those? Um, they're constant. And those are the spheres and the stars. Their physical substance is not like other physical substances. Neither is their form. Let's talk, I'll explain a little bit just what he means. Um, the Ramba, first of all, the picture of the physical, of the celestial bodies in, in those days was as follows. Let's take it from the point of an armchair slash scientist philosopher. You sit back in your armchair or maybe patio furniture and you see the stars at night, you see the sun and you see the moon and you see planets and they're circling constantly. So their sense was, well obviously it's, there's some sort of rail, so to speak, that it's circling on. There's some, there's some sort of hoop that is, uh, or else how, how would it just circle? So um, the th question was how to picture it. Was it like a rail with a, with, with, a, with a train running along it? So you have sort of a hoop and you have a planet on that hoop? Or is it the planet fixed? Like the way you would have a hoop with a with, a, with some sort of diamond in it, and the ring is going round, and not the diamond. That was a question that was unresolved, kind of. But one thing, so you have the world has around it circles with different entities. The one thing that when you compare it to anything in this world, we don't see any changes in the stars, in the sun, and the moon, and the planets. Um, we may believe the astronomers that changes happen over millions of years, but but it's, it's far as we're concerned, the sun is the sun is the sun. Um, to the naked eye, it is like that. Whereas anything that we have experienced here, there's a constant shift. Um, so the Ramam says here we have another strata of existence, which is it it it, it greets our senses. We can see things. We can make out light and so on, but it seems to be of a different nature. It doesn't have that integration, that dis disintegration and regrouping that we see here. And it's made obviously of some sort of material that is much finer. It's always lit, it's always lighted, uh, and so on. Now, um, even though we have a different understanding of what of what the, what it's like up there we actually have made it to the moon and and to mars but in terms of god created the world for us to behold to learn from it to extrapolate from it to understand things so it is proper to say that 
God created a whole set of, of celestial entities. I mean, God could have made underground lighting. You know, there, there's, a, there's many ways it could have gone, could have, could have engineered the world. But God set it up that there's a world that is immediate to us, tangible to us, and, and visibly uh, with an ebb and a flow. And then there's a world that is beyond us. We can just look at it, and, and it seems to us quite removed from that, and that's an important piece. It, when, when we take a look at the psukim, what is it that the sun and the moon are there for? So the Pasuk doesn't say to give light and heat, which would be obvious one. The Pasuk says to fix time. In other words, it's a standard for us. We fix days and months and years by the sun, by the moon and the stars. So that, that's, that is, in a sense, the role it plays in the world. What its mechanism is doesn't really make so much of a difference. So, so even today where we understand the mechanism of the Rambam, but, it, but, but in, in, in terms of how we grasp it in God's world, there's the world that is visible and imminent and immediate and, and part and parcel of the same things we are, and there's the world that is visible but not beyond us. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a notch above us. And that, that would be fine as well. Now, Mehemi says, then we have something um, further, third entity, Vehem, Bruim, things that were created, but they are Tsurubolo Golom Klal. These are things that have a form without substance. Vehem Amalochim. These are angels. Angels have no body, no corpus. They are just um, forms distinguishable one from the other. Let's go slowly about this. Let's talk about this. There is, it is important, we, we do need to discuss, the Rambam is not discussing it, as to what the point is of angels. Why does God need a bureaucracy of angels? Um, you know, humans need a bureaucracy because you can't do everything. So we have secretaries and we have assistants and deputies and so on. God is all-powerful. Why would he need angels? That's a, that's a good question. It's an important question. Let's leave that aside for a minute. But the Ramam says in terms of the continuum, angels have no body. Um, and, and, th that, and, and that way they're one notch ahead. But they are described in terms of their essence of what they are. Each angel has a particular mission, and, and it says no angel can do two missions. So that's why Abraham had three angels, one to tell him, one to heal uh, Sarah and to save and to save stone, one to destroy stone, to save the, the I mean Lot, one is to destroy stone, and one is to tell them about the child that'll be born. Because every angel, an angel is a specific um, a specific form in the world so healing is an angel and punishing the justice is an angel and so on these are things we only describe them in terms of their mission we don't have any ability to size up their substance so angels as opposed to God can be described in terms of the mission God is all-encompassing so you, you can say God heals but you can't say God is described as healer um, an angel can be described because that's the that's the be-all of the angel this is what he is he's a healer so we have three categories we have one 
physical substance and um, form plus disintegration. We have a second category, which is celestial beings. They have a finer substance and form and not subject to disintegration. And we have angels who have no substance, but they're all form. Shamal Achim Einam, he says, they are not any corpus, they're not a body. They are, um, it, they are forms, and each one is an, uh, is, is an idea of its own. Each one is a concept, so to speak, uh, of its own. Dalit. So now he asks the question, <coughs> He says, one second, if you go through the prophets, if you go through Nevi'im, angels are described as fiery beings and having wings and so on. Um, so, so they very well have clearly defined bodies. So he says, no. This wasn't seeing the actual angel. This was a prophetic vision about the angel. And it's meant as a metaphor. So when I see an angel, when I perceive an angel as a fiery being, A, I'm not perceiving the angel. It's, it's sort of a prophecy. And it's meant to convey some idea. It's not. It's it's meant to tell me something about it. Loma, she'eno guf. It when we the reason why is, is angels are described as have, as being a fire and having wings is because to us fire is the least tangible of substances. If I want to say something has no substance, a fire describes that. A fire is a something, but 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 you can't touch it. And wings describe also something that's very light. In other words, the, the, the image of something that's fire and with wings is something that is, um, is kind of um, ethereal. It, it's the two elements to us that are least earthbound, least tied to earth. Fire seems to be without substance and wings seem just to float effortlessly above it. So that's a description of an angel as a metaphor. Kamoshanema, he says, you see fire is used to describe God. It says, God is a consuming fire. And a God is not a fire, it's only a metaphor. It says, the angels are like winds. God makes angels like winds. Now let's stop a minute and first of all discuss what the purpose of angels are you know it's it's interesting so the rambam doesn't the rambam will not explain the purpose of angels in the rambam's scheme of things it's simply a natural continuum god created a continuum from the lowest to the highest and we can identify different stages um, it's true even if we don't have any use for it it's true it's also something that gives us a sense of what the world is like by seeing a continuum from the most physical to something which is not physical and then God we have a sense of direction that things become more refined less substantial and so on so according to the Rambam he doesn't see a need and he's just going to explain what are angels without regard to what significance they have for us, why we need them. And he's not going to explain that. I would like to explain, use, I do want to explain using it 
as a um, the way the Mekubalim spoke about it, because that's how we live with it. So the first question is, what do we need angels for? It, it you know they help God. Well, why does God need help? Um, like we said before, when you have, we need help because we're we're limited. But but why would God need a bureaucracy? That's one issue. A second issue is. Um, you know, in 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 the in the sort of popular mindset, angels are sort of part, an important part of religion. I remember there was once a Time magazine had a, a, a front cover about X percent of Americans believe in angels, and that's a, and that's you know kind of a, a sign of religion. But it's really really. It's more fantasy than anything else. It's like they believe in elves and 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 uh, fairies and you know and angels and 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 in the Christian, I, I can't speak for Christian theologians, but the popular mindset is that like angels are semi gods kind of, and God has the devil that he fights with and the angels that take sides. It it sort of drifts into an avodah type where you have different beings of a divine nature, but God is the most powerful and sort of the angels, little kids, or, you know, you, you, depending on the person's, how crisp the person's understanding is, that's how low it goes. Um, we don't have a necessity in, in our understanding for angels. Angels are not of, of the principles of faith. If a person believes in everything but angels, he may be wrong, he may be denying things that the Torah says, but it's not, it's not one of the, of the fundamentals because the religion stands beautifully without angels. And yet, they exist. The Torah talks of angels. Um, the Rambam says, on top of the ark, you had two angels. You had two cherubs, um, you know, figures. Those only figures that were allowed in the temple were those two cherubs. And, 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 they, and God says, I will speak to you from between the Kruvim. They are significant. And, and yet, and yet, um, we're trying to figure out what, what's the significance. It says on the second day, in the second day, angels were created. Doesn't say it anywhere openly in the in the in the, in the Torah, but the the Medrashki tells us that the second day, angels were created. God was no longer one. So the general understanding is as follows. Um, let's say, if I show you a car running you never saw a car running in your life you'd be amazed at it if i were to ask you how does a car run so the only way to explain it really is to break it down into parts and say okay first of all where do we have motion starting from here's what an engine looks like how do we translate motion into um, into a certain type of motion, to circular motion. Here's the transmission. How do we get the, the? How do we get a place for people to go on that wheel? Well, here's the chassis and so on. So I, what I do is I explain each piece individually because I can understand the individual pieces, and then I sort of put it together. Um, it, it's like that with every element. There are there are units that I can grasp as such, but. Anything that's complex, I understand the pieces, and then I may or may not understand the entire picture. Um, so, so we, we have 
our way of understanding is to look at the parts of it and then I see the whole thing. When I look at a school, a school, so this is the child I want to come out at the end of the process. Here's the picture, here's the paradigm. But there are many elements to it. I need scholastic achievement, I need character refinement, I need a sense of, 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 of dignity and, 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 and kind of self-esteem. You know, I need all sorts of elements that goes into a child like that. I know what a, I know what a healthy, good person is, but, but that consists of different pieces. A psychologist will tell you, this guy that you see that's really successful and, and happy, many pieces had to fall into place with that. He had to have the tools to do something in society to get recognition. He had to have people give him that recognition. He had to understand how to cope with difficult situations, and so on and so on and so on. So God is one, and, and God knows no, no, no division within himself. We can't, there's no way to explain life as one unit. Um, it's just not going to work for us. Let's give another example. If I want to take an art appreciation course, so if I'm the super gifted artist, I just take a look at something, I say, looks right, doesn't look right, that's it. When I take art appreciation, it's not going to help me that you say, well, don't you see this is a great painting? I, I mean, maybe, but I, I, I'm, I'm helpless. I, I, so what I need to do is I break it down in parts and I say, okay, um, what's the focal point of this painting? What's the message? What expression do I give to the characters? How do I show an interplay of characters? And, and, and you know, all the elements that go into making a painting a great painting. God needs to break down this oneness because we don't deal well with oneness because, because we're not like that. And different ways that God interacts with us are self-contained units. So, so when God is in a punishment mode, we can understand a mode of God destroying and saying, raising and saying, I am, this is not what I wanted. We've seen it now lifetimes, even whether we understand it or not, God destroyed European Jewry, period. We see um, God showering uh, favor at the creation of the state of Israel from nowhere, with nobody wanting it and it being. You know, it, it, nobody wanted it in particular. Um, it, it's surrounded by enemies in a, in, a, in, a, in a desert, and it came to be. And we can understand that. Can we understand the two together? Very difficult. Our, our mindset can deal with one element at a time, but not with two, three, four, five very conflicting ones. So we study each one, and each one is a self-contained unit, yes. So, so there's an angel of mercy, there's an angel to exact punishment, there's an angel to heal the sick, there's an angel to, 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 um, it, 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 to, to, to make the crops grow. We can, so each and every facet is divided into units that are meaningful so that we can understand it. We call them spheros, we, we call them worlds, different dimensions of it are sliced in different ways. But the main, the main point is, when you slice it into meaningful entities, you help a person gain real knowledge, as opposed to just presenting it as all or nothing. Okay, that's not the Rambam's particular, doesn't explain it, but this is the view that is most understood today in terms of because the Kabbalists brought it in that way, in different ways. He says as follows, and again, they, they overlap in many ways. They're in agreement. They're not. It's not as if it's two very divergent worldviews. There are, in, in, and and the and as and and from the Talmudic material, the Rambam's view is fine, not a problem. 
hey, ubamei pardo atzuru zumezu veinegufin. So he asked the following question: How do I distinguish angel from angel? I'm telling you there are different angels. He says there are going to be ten major categories of angels. Well, how do I categorize angels? I can't do it by height, by weight, by color of the hair, by IQ, by EQ. None of that exists. So in what way is angel A different than angel B in any substantial way? You know, they're, they're all angels. So, 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 so how do I distinguish between them if, I, if they don't have bodies? So he says, Lefi, she'enon shav me'metzi osan, so the Ramam gives here a view which is very in sync with the view of the Kabbalists, even though he didn't wasn't privy to it, and it goes as follows. The array of angels, we spoke about angels being um, different segments of the world, different segments of reality. That's one perspective. There's another more general perspective that goes as follows. From God to us, there's an almost infinite gap. And just like you couldn't plug your little, your, your, your appliance into the, into the power plants um, first, uh, in, into their first, uh, um, a, what, not engine, what do you call Just Well, before the, the thing that makes it to the generator, generator. You couldn't put it into a generator without blowing your poor little appliance out of this world. You need to have step down transformers. And, you, and, and, and there are many, you know, depending on how powerful the original generator is, and depending on how weak the appliance is, you need many, many step-downs. When I came to Israel, th th there were very, very few, um, very few appliances that were dual-voltage appliances. Everything needed a transformer. And occasionally you would forget to put a transformer in, and the voltage is 220 in Israel, and very soon you'd smell smoke in the room, and your poor little shaver went up on the altar of of the difference in electricity between uh, Israel and America, and and it you know you would smoke and burn, and you would curse everybody and everything, but that was the end of it. Today they have dual voltage, so things you know most appliances, computers, and so and phones, they only just need that little the piece to, at the end to fit, but. But it, but it holds. But when he didn't have it, the same thing is true also. It goes in step by step. It, it, this, it, the view of spheros being ten steps are the same idea. There's sort of, it goes from one step to another step to another step to another step. Each step becomes more defined, more specific, and therefore we can actually relate to it as such. Now, it does not only 10 steps, each step can have 10 subdivisions, and each subdivision can have 10, you know, it, it, it's really a system that you can keep doing almost ad infinitum little steps, but there's a system that keeps going. So the Ramam says these angels are distinguished by how close they are to the original. And each one is above the other, and he brings a Pasuk to Kigavoa Malgavoa Shomer. The watchman is a series of Higher to higher. Vav. Now, zeo I used words higher and lower. 
We're not talking about place because for us, up and down have to relate to some sort of place. What's up and down in heavens? I mean, like, what's the, where's up, where's down? It's like people have a hard time imagining in space, there's no up, there's no down. You know, where, how, do you, how do you draw up and down? So he says, um, the Ramam gives two examples of above and, and below that are useful to understand. Let, let's translate a little bit now language. If I ask you, let's, let's leave the, the metaphysical world and the celestial world, how do we define up and down for us here? What, what is our um, criteria for up and down? So I guess you go like this, you go like this. But, but what do you do? How do you define up and down? And the answer would be by measuring a flow. If you pour water out, it will go from up to down. There's a... Um, there's a, a there's a, a there's a road in Israel. It's called Kvish Hapela, which means the magical road. It's, it's there's, there are two or three of them actually, but there's one right outside Jerusalem, and it's it's really really quite eerie. I'll, I'll describe to you what it's like. You go to um, it, it. There was one in Armona and Siv. That's like sort of southeast of Jerusalem, and right outside it there's a road that winds down a mountain and at a certain segment you stop the car and you look at the road and it's going from left to right down and then you put a bottle down in the middle of the road and the bottle stands for a minute and begins to roll uphill you then put the car in neutral and the car starts going uphill and it's spooky. Um, I've seen it. I was there. I was there like it was kind of right in twilight. And it's eerie. It's like quiet. And all of a sudden, it's like the reverses. And, you know, and uh, it's very, very sp spooky, very eerie. The, the, the trick is if you, if you go much further back, if you, if you, um, if, if you stand apart, what you have is you have a road that winds down a mountain like this. The general road is going down the mountain. There's one segment that because of the conditions of the road actually goes reverse direction. But the eye doesn't catch it that way because the eye is seeing the road, the points of the road. So, so the points of the road is one direction. This particular segment is the other direction. So it, what it is is actually an optical illusion. But it, 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 the point I'm trying to make is you measure the up and down. Well, if the water is going uphill, then that's downhill. And, and, and this is uphill. And, you know, and if the car in neutral is going that direction, is um, you know, they, 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 when they first had it, they had people who would pour water and then bottle it and say this was energized by special magnetic forces. You know, this is, it's, you know it's, it's a great place. For, yeah, this is like it can oppose force of gravity and that's why, imagine if you could, in the morning, you could oppose the force of gravity and get up right out of bed. So, so you know, this is anti-gravity water, you know. But, but basically, what? 
I should have thought of that. You should have thought of that. You made a quick buck. Um, they do better. They bottle air in Israel. What? If you, sell, if you take water, that you. Um, well, if you if if you if you say what it is, this is water that went down to Chapella, uh, the, the opposite way. Maybe it's maybe it's okay. If you cl- make claims for it that don't exist, that, so it's, a, it's a little bit of a shady deal. But at any rate, um, the the, um, the 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 up and down to us usually is best described by a flow. The um, the Akadosh Baruch Hu has a way in which there's a certain flow downwards. In other words, um, he, he, the, 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 you know, things go in stages. And therefore, there's a certain trickle-down effect. And that's how we describe the one that is higher up, the one that is lower up. Um, so to speak, if you cut off a valve higher up, I'll, I'll give you an example of the Gemara. The Gemara says that on Rosh Hashanah, Hashem makes decrees for the whole year. So on Rosh Hashanah, Kachbaruch decides what's going to be all year. But what happens? Let's say Kachbaruch says there'll be plenty of rain this year because we were nice, we were good guys last year, and then we really mess it up. Is Kachbaruch helpless to change it? The answer is no. What he's going to do is. He will make all the rain come at one time, focused in the wrong area, so that we get very little good out of it. Whereas the other way around, let's say we were not great last year, and this year we were good guys, so HaKadosh Baruch will take the little rain that was decreed on Rosh Hashanah and have it come at the right time, the right place, to maximize its effectivity. So, so, so there's a certain chain. In other words, in the big picture, there's a decision at one place, but that, but but when it, when it applies itself to us, it may be applied in different ways. There's a an expression the Gemara gives, the Medrash gives a marshal, a following illustration: a king once got very very angry at his son, and decreed that he be stoned to death. And then his temper cooled off, and his wise advisors, I don't know why the advisors are always cool-headed and wise, and the king is always hot-tempered and, and, and irrational, but that's the way they were. And the advisors told him, you're out of your mind, this is your son, and, 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 and you know, and so on, and he's, okay, he messed up once. So the king is in a dilemma. He doesn't want to stone his son, but he's decreed that his son be stoned to death. Be stoned, so what do you do? So what he does is he pulverizes the rocks, in, into tiny, tiny, you know, sand, and he has that poured over his son, so his son has been stoned, but he is basically comes out unscathed. But it means it's a certain way of of of, of God giving us a message about, um, you know, imagine a following scenario. I I I I, um, I read this from Rav Shechter. He's a Rosh Hashivah YU and he's a big Dayan, and he said there was a case that came before them, a monetary dispute. It involved some inheritance or something. And one of the parties was advised by his lawyer how to, not to reveal the truth, not to to be forthright, not to be candid. He didn't have to, but it really prevented them from being, um, from being, uh, um, from from reaching the honest decision that they needed. They didn't have the information. He was stone. They were stonewalled. That was it. He said, "I want to give you a little bit of a postscript." He said, "A while later, this person had other problems in his family that basically used up every last cent of it 
to, to take care of issues. So it is sort of a sense that, you know, technically you, you were, this is what you got, but it wasn't your money. And if you weren't going to give it back honestly, we will drain it off you in a different way. Um, somebody told me once, a friend of mine, there was certain money in Israel he was getting from the government. He had real, he wasn't sure about whether he should be taking that money or not. And he said, you know what, I look back over the year that I got those, that grant, whatever it was, the money was, was, was fitted away in different things that came up. And, I, my, and he told me, my sense is it was not money that I should have taken. But there's a clear message in that. In other words, the big faucet was open, but the small faucet was broken, and, and, it, and it's something that a person... So God does it that way, just like it's helpful for us when we have that system here, when you have the main, and you can shut off the main, and then you have the house, and, 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 and then maybe different sections of the house, and faucets, and so on. You, 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 our Kaddish Baruch dribbles down things from up high, down low. It's true in how he runs the world. It's true also in understanding of things. There are many layers of understanding of Torah that are right. There's, when you talk about a certain halacha, why is that halacha important? You can explain many of them, the personal benefits, society's benefits, benefits of, of this as an ideal, and you can go into mystical explanations. And they're all right, they're just at different junctions of truth. It's just like um, you, you can, you know, physics has the math behind it. The physics is right, the math is right. They don't contradict each other. It's, 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 as, if, it's as if a certain equation is being expressed by certain phenomena. And, and we get that sense, and one is higher, one is lower. Um, you know, the math is more abstract. It, it reaches, it, it can take on many different, um, it can take on many different shapes, so to speak. But, you know, when I take an equation and ask you, what is this? It could be many things. But when I take a physical phenomena, it has only one equation that fits it. So it, there's a one-way street going in one direction, but the more abstract it is, the more, the more different applications it might have. So the, the, um, that's how angels are. So he says, higher and lower are not described in terms of place, because that's really, really um, something that is very, very, um, doesn't apply, place doesn't apply to them. But he says it can, it can mean greater and lower, like wise people, and also cause and effect. I want to explain both these points in the Rambam. The Rambam is a, um, the Rambam is, it doesn't waste his ink on just idle, you know, um, illustrations. He's very particular. I want to, I want to examine closely the two things that he says. We can say one person is wiser than the other person, and that would be on top and bottom. That would be higher and lower. And I can also say cause and effect. That's also higher and lower. Let's examine the second one first, then we'll see the first one. Cause and effect is exactly what we said. The water in my faucet that I draw a cup is caused or brought about by the water coming in the main pipe of the house, which is caused by the water coming in the, in the main water line, which is caused by the water in the reservoir. 
so the water in the reservoir is higher in the pyramid the water in the main in the main is second in the pyramid the water coming into my house's main line is third and the water my particular faucet is fourth um the the stopping the main will stop the faucet stopping the faucet will not stop the main so higher and lower as cause and effect the implication being that something that is at the cause level will always affect the effect level but not vice versa that's one description of of the hierarchy how we understand the hierarchy there's a second description of higher and lower which will be as follows when i say a is greater than b he is smarter than him um, or the Hebrew word gadol. What do I mean by that? Um, so let's take it at an abstract meaning and then and we'll see how that applies. If I say this is bigger than this, what I mean is that anything in this will be contained in this. If A is greater, is bigger than B, or greater in that sense, that means anything in A, anything in B must be in A as well. A overlaps B, and A encompasses B. Encompasses is the best, best word to use here. That's, if I say that a, 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 a small person, a, um, I, 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 an adult is called a gadol, and a katon is a small, is a young, uh, a minor, uh, or a young boy. Well, there are many differences. One is big and one is small physically, but also mentally. An adult can be expected to understand a child. Teenagers are excluded. Teenagers are a special case where not in, not in, the teenager himself does, also doesn't understand himself. So I think teenagers are not understandable. But I, I can, my mind encompasses a child because I was a child also. A child's mind does not encompass an adult world. So the, the, the grown-up can take care of the child because he understands the child and his needs. The child does not understand the grown-up. Um, a bigger person, somebody who's smarter than me, it's not a question he can do more problems. In the sense that we're using it here, Godot means he understands everything I will understand, but I don't understand elements that he understands. In real life, there are different, there are different aspects. I can be greater than him in X, but smaller than Y. It's not an exact fit as far as smart goes. But, um, so here also, anything that's included in the angel higher anything that's in the small angel is perforce included in the greater one but not vice versa it's true and like we said let's go back to our example of math and physics every physical phenomena um, is part of some sort of equation it, it, it is an example so for instance if I have the idea of um, E, the, 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 the natural logarithm, which explains usually um, unchecked growth, it will apply to um, bacteria that, have, that, that, that are growing, that have no enemies. It'll apply to, a, to an animal population that has no natural enemy. It'll apply to interest rates that are compounded infinitely you know, a, 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 over time. It applies to many, many things. 
um, the, 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 so the math, the, the, all of them are included, subsumed under the equation, but not vice versa. Each, each phenomena is a case where and the equation includes many other cases. So, so you have many phenomena like that. That's the way God structured the world. Um, even philosophy, when you look, you know, we, we laugh at the Greeks that philosophy and science were one to them. But the truth be said, we, today we have a discipline called philosophy of science, which um, besides giving uh, more chairs to more professors, it also, it, we get a sense, you know, yes, there is the rigid laws of nature, but there are also some sweeping, the idea that, for instance, nature is always expressed itself in the simplest function. That given, uh, given, uh, given the ability to express phenomena in complicated ways or in simple ways, even if both of them come up with the right answer, the simplest way is the way of nature. It doesn't have, doesn't have any clear um, proofs to it, as much as it's an understanding that it's a true thing. And that goes beyond the, the, the myth of the universe. It's sort of an idea that we sense is right, a concept. I mean, you know, it, 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 these are things, the world is structured in that way. So angels are also structured, the higher to the lower means, the more abstract, which by definition includes more specific cases, and the specific cases which are more limited, each one to a specific case. Th that's the structure of angels. Well, next time we'll see, he goes through some of the different levels of it, um, and uh, we'll see more about it. But, um, you know what, let's just see seven, because seven is sort of the, the, the um, end of this piece. The different names of the angels are describing this, this, the different levels. And that's why, now, the names of these angels you find in Ezekiel, basically. That's where we have the most vivid description of different angels. And that's where he got most of them from. Some others are mentioned other places, and he put them together. So he says the highest ones are called Chayos HaKodesh, which means the, 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 the sacred living entities. This is highest. You have the lowest being Ishim, which means humanoids, human-like. Um, Ish is the highest, is the name of a person at his best, and it's the name of an angel at its lowest. He basically, all of these names are found in different psukim, different places. These names describe their position, their chshivas. They're, 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 you know how how important they are, how high up they are. The highest, which which nothing but God is above it. These are miles at Chayos. These are called Chayos. And when you see Ezekiel, it's described as the highest piece in the puzzle. That's why Ezekiel describes them as being immediately under God's throne. In other words. This is the tip that, that sort of touches on the divine. Umayla, seriously, the lowest one is Mayla Satsushnikus Ishim, which are called men like. This is the interface. If you ask ourselves, just like a computer, you have the machine language, and you have the programmer's language, and you have the program. And finally, the piece that interfaces with me, 
that piece is the, is the lowest. It's closest to me and my language and my knowledge. So the angels that interface with people describe divine events. Those are called ishim. This is what a, a, a prophet sees when he's having a, a, a prophetic vision. Now turn it upside down, oversight, other side. These are called human because this is sort of the ultimate perfect human understanding. This is the highest peak of human understanding and it's the lowest peak of divine messages. Okay, so so this is so again. It, 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 the Rambam presents this as a sweeping vision of the entire universe. He wants to give us a sense of how broad and deep and how big the 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 creation is. Um, the, 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 he draws his points by examining carefully um, the psukim and the midrashic literature and so on. It it, it is it, it by all counts everyone feels it's correct. It's just that the Kabbalah gives a much, much more detailed and nuanced version of all these things. But, but, but it suffices. The Ram was only giving it really as sort of a sense of the greatness of the world that we need to admire to, to, to be able to, to want to relate to God and so on. That's it. Okay, we'll hold it here.